Welcome to the More Than More podcast, where we discuss building meaningful, impactful businesses, careers, and lives through real estate. Okay, happy Friday. Good morning, Dylan. How are you, Eileen? I am fine. Um, it is uh, the 15th month of winter of 2022. The 15th month? Well... What's going around right now is all that anyone's talking about is the weather because it feels like it's been the longest pre-spring. Well, it's starting to feel like spring now, but it's already May and it's still rainy and cloudy and miserable outside, but at least things are turning green. That's good. How are you feeling? Are you getting any uh, seasonal, seasonal mood going on? Well, I'd like it to get a little bit nicer, sunny. A uh, little rain so I can get my pots out there with flowers. There's and plenty of rain. There's just there's just enough sun. So when was it? I think it was Wednesday morning. The sun came out and you could tell the mood was different. I was in Ames in the morning and then here in the afternoon and you could just tell everyone had a spring in their step. I think I've I've never seen everyone so ready for a summer. Yeah, and I'm ready to go out. I bought a new e-bike, and so I want to go out there and start riding that. And I haven't had the opportunity since I bought the bike probably about three weeks ago. And it's either been rainy or wet. Uh, I'm gone, so I don't have the opportunity. What kind of e-bike did you get? What brand? Uh, Trek. Nice. Yes, yes. Um, Have you ridden one of those before? Yes, I have. My neighbor has one, and so I I actually took a little tour on that last year. It's incredible, right? It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there's a a big debate on that in the biking world because a bunch of people will say, you know, that's dumb. What are you doing? You're cheating. You need the exercise. But others would say, well, you get the same amount of exercise. You just go a heck of a lot further. That's correct. Yeah. And, and it makes you go want to go out and enjoy yeah. it versus putting a lot more effort into it and not wanting to go out. Well, because you, you, know, you can power up a hill if you correct. want to, and you can still mm-hmm. put as much work in. You just go up the hill a heck of a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. I, I won't tell the whole story, but it was years ago. I was in Bentonville, and we were biking. It's like the mountain bike capital of the world, basically, other than the mountains. And we had a flat tire, bumped into a guy, called a mechanic, helped us fix the bike. It was a kid's bike. And it turned out that it was um, Tom Walton uh, from the Walton family. And uh, anyway, his mechanic pulled up with a backpack, fixed the bike, and he had a like $15,000 e-bike specialized. 15000 Yeah. And I jumped on that and rode that around the block a couple times. <laughs> and I felt like the king of the world. Now, at that point, I didn't know who I was talking to. Right. Um, but we found out later and ended up doing breakfast with him two days in a row. It was the coolest story ever. My kids still talk about um, how much they wish their dad was a multi-billionaire. Well, they're going to have to keep wishing. <laughs> I, think, I think that's right. I don't One, think that's the trajectory I'm on. Yeah, and my bike was not 15000 So, Well, okay, do you mind if I ask, what what is a decent e-bike cost? Oh, you're looking at around uh, $3,500, yeah. $4,000. Uh, I know Harley-Davidson has a different type of uh, look on theirs, different Harley-Davidson has them? Yes, Harley-Davidson. Did. I well, saw I them saw at the home show. Ducati has week. one, too, because I have a Ducati motorcycle, and I saw they have an uh, e-bike as well. It's crazy that it oh, crosses. And, yeah, and those are a little bit more expensive, but I didn't go yeah, that route. You don't need that. No, no. Um, okay, Trek. So good yep. for you. We're a specialized family, but we'll we'll accept your trek. Okay, good, good. Just for the sake of this conversation. <laughs> um, okay, well, so hold on. I didn't actually 
provide a proper introduction. I'm here this morning with Eileen Van Kooten Schmidt. <laughs> Do you even remember where that silly tradition started? No, but the only thing that I can think of is, you know, how you say names and it's usually their last name is shortened. But mine, you have to get in within that same time frame of you saying it, saying somebody else's name. Okay, so you think it's because it's so long. Yeah, you have to shorten it up. See, I think it just started because it sounded like some interesting German or whatever name from a movie. And so I, I yelled it like a military. I have no idea where it started. I just know that I feel like that's our little thing, you yes. and me. And I'm just going to keep yelling your name like I'm in the military for as long as we are friends. That's good. But you have to remember that my name starts as a Dutch name and then adds a German name to it. It is German though. Schmidt. Schmidt is German. Okay, but, but Van Kooten is... Yes. Dutch. Yeah, okay. I'm totally Dutch, 100%. Now, you don't need to be talking to me about Dutch because I'm the brain. Yeah, I know you are. And you you would screw it up. You'd say De, De Brian or whatever. Well, I have an aunt that is De Brian. Yeah, but it's not De Brian. It's De Brain. And <laughs> I know this because I am also Dutch. And the way Pella handles some of these names, it's like you're this perfect Dutch community that has retained all your Dutchness except for how you say Dutch words. And you're looking at me funny. I, I'm going to get in trouble with the Dutch community here. But we can tell the rest of the people out there that if you're not Dutch, you're not much. Remember that, right? Is that what it is? Yes, that's Well, correct. be careful saying things like that out loud because there is somewhat of a air of, yeah, we're, <laughs> we've got our own thing going on here in Pella, huh? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just have a little fun with it, you know. Um. I have learned a lot about the Pella community over the years. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, I guess that's where you, from, from whence you hail. That is correct. Yeah. So well, actually, I actually grew up uh, or was born in the Sully area. Uh -huh. And then my parents moved to the Pella area on a farm uh, just because that's where my mom's family lived. My dad's family was in the Sully area. Now, is this that big old house that I got to tour? Yes, that's where we, um, that's where I grew up from the age of five to when I moved out to went to college at okay, age 18. Okay, so 18. let's give some context here because, <clears throat> uh, what's the guy's name again? Vermeer. Yes. I bump into Stan Vermeer. That is correct. Of the Vermeer family. Correct. Ver, uh, through some Orphans of Tesla stuff that we're doing. And I end up touring this property in Pella just outside of town. And it's, uh, can I call it a mansion? Sure. I mean, it's not, that's not a play play house. No. And no. at least it would have been a mansion when it was built, right? I mean, yes. And so I don't know the history. You could tell me this, but I just remember touring this amazing property that Stan, it's old. It's got to be a hundred and something years old. 1871. And the, yeah. the, the, the date is actually in the brick yeah. on the third story or the fourth above the third story of the house. So this guy, Stan Vermeer buys this property at some point, remodels it. And he, I think he recently sold it. So I'm walking through the house just to figure out if we could help sell it. And I'm walking through some stairwell on like the upper stories or maybe it was the basement. I don't to remember. To the attic probably. And there's all this handwriting all Correct. over the walls. And some of that is yours or your name is on there somewhere. So My tell us about the house because this is a remarkable piece of property. Yes, it was built in 1871. It was totally brick all the way around. Um, we had, I can't even remember how many bedrooms and bathrooms. Well, one, one bathroom because they were putting the bathroom in when we were moving in. Because they didn't have one before? They had the outhouse. Okay, now hold on. The, your, what year is this that you're moving into that house? Uh, Approximately. 
<laughs> you're going to get my age here, no, aren't you? No, <laughs> that's not the goal. That's not the goal. I just... I, I would say probably right around... My sister was born around this time, so 1961, 62. So only in the 60s, they're adding a bathroom to this house. That is correct. Why? What, what was it being used for before that? It was, but they just, because of the time of year or t- uh, the year that they built it, they just didn't put bathrooms no, in. No, I, I know that. they had uh, an I outhouse. I just thought yeah. they would have updated before then, but apparently. I agree, but I don't know either. So whoever but, lived there before was comfortable with the outhouse. Yes. So you move into this big old mansion, and you mm-hmm. grow up there as a kid. That is correct. We it was considered a farm, so yeah. we did a lot of, um, you know, gardening, mowing of lawn uh, for a long time, and uh, also too, um, I baled hay and milked cows. So you were a farm full on farm girl. Yes. Uh huh. Farm hand. Yes, I was. <laughs> the, the, those were our responsibilities when we were growing up. We had to be a part of the family. And yeah. those are the things we had to do. You and your sister. I have, there's six of us total. Oh, wow. I have four other sisters and one brother. That's a lot of people. <laughs> I suppose yes, if you have is. a big old farm like that, you need a bunch of kids to take care of stuff, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you grow, I didn't know this part. And this is actually a lot because I was, I was just kind of rehashing your story a little bit in my head and I remembered that I don't remember that much. So this will be fun. So you grow up a farm girl. Um, how long did you live in that house? My parents uh, moved out, I think it was uh, probably five years or so after I left for college. Okay. So, because then they built a uh, house just about a mile down the road or half a mile down the road that was a ranch style house and had a big shed on it because my dad went from uh, farming to then uh, he had a tile business he tiled farm grounds um your your parents did well i mean you guys came from a a healthy background right yes just based on the house and uh so what was the writing on the wall the writing on the wall was when people came and wanted to tour the house. That was just what they did was they just wanted to write their name on the wall as they were going up to the third story, which was not, at so this you, point, uh, not completed. It okay. wasn't, it was just to me like one big yeah, dance think, floor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So people just wrote their names on the wall. We had people that wanted to come and tour all the time. So we just let them come and tour. Because this house. property today is part of like some historical. It's on the National Historical Museum registry and your name's on the wall my name's on the wall yeah that brings a whole new meaning to the writing on the wall so yeah. I, I that's pretty cool mm-hmm. i mean it's just an interesting background yeah i don't have one of those no one tried to tour my house well you have <laughs> probably other interesting things i do i do none of, none of them were like that no i think there's something uh probably pretty uh, impactful about growing up on a farm as a young girl in a big family it's i say this a lot i if I got several shots at life, I I like my life, right? I'm, I'm into the two kids. My kids are older already. We started young. And so Jen and I have some freedom and built a business. And I, this has been fun. Mm-hmm. If I could do the giant family version where I have like 17 kids like Joe and uh, well, not seven maybe, but I think that'd be a lot of fun too. So, but I, I don't get two shots. So I'm glad I picked what I picked. That's right. I just think there's a lot of character and interesting personality traits that come out of growing up in that era, but also in that uh, context. Right. Because, you know, when you have more siblings, 
you have different personalities and even though mm. you're siblings you don't always get along or think the same or so you sometimes you have some challenges with that situation too yeah but you got the older kids helping raise the younger kids you've got like when you have just two kids bickering is a very natural thing because there's 50-50 competition between the two kids but when there's five or six or seven of you I think you learn to figure stuff out a different way. You do. You do. Mm -hmm. And, and you, I think a lot of people could use a little bit of farm work right now. I think it's always good for somebody because it teaches you some good value of working. Mm -hmm. I don't live on a farm, but I've worked hard to have my kids have lots of chores and lots of jobs and earn allowance and have to save. And I think that's missing a lot in our world right now. I taught my boys that, that... Um, you know, they had to do a lot of things around the house when they were growing up, even though they didn't like it and their friends were <coughs> off doing other things. They had to mow the lawn and the lawn at my acreage was, you know, usually two to three hours. So they had to go do that. And it wasn't a riding mower. Yes, it was. Oh, OK. Well, oh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. That's cheating then. Well, I had you, two zero turn uh, lawnmowers. Well, you didn't raise your kids right then. You should have made them walk <laughs> that mower up and down. <laughs> Okay, then hey, I would so have been an awful mom. <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, you can't win, right? So um, let's jump into real estate. So you uh, you joined us in 2013, if I recall. I think it was like April. The end of April, yes. Okay, so you joined us in, what were you doing before that? Um, I had done a couple of different jobs. I started out and being in the medical field. Mm. Um, I had gone off and had a cleaning business, cleaning homes and re um, residential and commercial. Uh, you doing this or you I was a, doing it, but also had a few people that were working underneath of me. Where was that? Uh, it was in the Des Moines area. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I just didn't feel like I wanted to do that anymore. I'd gotten into a car accident um, and it was just a little bit more of a challenge with some of the employees. And I just thought this is not the focus I wanted to have. Uh, went worked at principal financial group for a while in the marketing area mm. Um, realized that that was not my forte. What does in the marketing area mean? What were you doing? Um, I was just talking to different companies and gathering different information from them in the way of life insurance products okay. and uh, doing proposals for different insurance agents. Um, it was just not a fun thing for me. It just was... Yeah, so I just I was there for probably about three years. So it was more like on the on the front end of the sales department. That is you're, correct. You're out doing the sales research and putting proposals together. Correct. Okay. Then I went back into the medical field. Um, I was initially in the medical field at a doctor or at a hospital, uh, Northwest Hospital, which mm. is no longer in Des Moines. And then I went into a doctor's office, which I was there for about ten years. Um, so I didn't have to work. Holidays, weekends. You were just uh, administratively. Uh, nope, I was the lab tech. I was ah. the the only lab tech there. They had other CMAs there that could do some of the same work, but I was the lab person. What training did you have for that? Uh, I went to, off to college to do that uh, right out of high school. What's that degree or what's that? Uh, it was called a um, MLT, medical laboratory technician. Oh. So you just went and uh, took some training. I went and did cool. that in Minneapolis. Then came back and interned at the hospital for six months, and then they hired me right away. Okay. So then when I was in the doctor's office, I was there for about 10 years and um, decided I wanted to go off on my own. And um, I did, and that's when my kids were born, and I wanted to kind of be a stay-at-home mom for a while. But also, too, I did beauty control cosmetics. 
And that's where I sold a lot of products uh, for beauty. And I saw that spa. on your Facebook. Yes, I did spa parties. Um, for who? What was the company? It was called Beauty Control. So not, not to, I don't want to go anywhere that you don't want to go, but that is this like a, there's a lot of multi-level marketing style structures. That is, is that, is is that correct. what it was? Yeah, that was correct. Yeah. And what and was I did, your and I did And I did very well uh, with that. Um, I had a car, um, had made some trips. So this is like Mary Kay, but not Mary Kay. That is correct. Okay, got it. The car wasn't pink though. It was not pink. It was white. Okay. <laughs> so you did well doing that. Yes, I did. What's very your well. thoughts on multi-level marketing structures? Having done that for several years, um, I think sometimes it, it's good for some people, depending on what focus you have. Because sometimes you have to either put your focus on you know doing a lot of sales to individuals and making money that way, or you focus on recruiting a lot of people. And I think the more you focus on recruiting people, I think that's where you probably make more money. That's why it's called a pyramid scheme. That is correct. Because you not, have two focuses in the way yeah. of making money on, on that as well. Yeah, the product is is really not the pr the product. The product is a is a vehicle. The correct. real product is getting people to sign up as consultants, right? Right. Is that, I, 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 I that is correct. Okay. Yep, that is correct. And I I recruited some people and I did very well with that. But I always my focus was always helping the individual. <clears throat> I like to do the one-on-ones spa or, you know, help them with their facial, do their colors, you know, that type of thing, because I felt like I wanted to really help them versus just feeling like I was recruiting. Cause some of the people that came in, they looked yeah. at this as more of a social type thing and not really want to work like I wanted them to work, uh, but you know, everybody has their own focus and you kind of have to let them do so take a, take a tangent with me because okay. everything you're saying there, I'm not actually thinking about cosmetics. Okay. I'm thinking about EXP and I'm thinking about Keller Williams and I'm thinking about Exit Realty and I'm thinking about all these organizations where I would suggest that in large part the product, which is really realtors being experts helping buyers and sellers, isn't the product. But you're caught up in a system that focuses more on the invitation of others than it does on excellence on the actual product. I would agree with you. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't want to be negative or cynical, but I, I think that's a, it's a very effective business model. And in cosmetics, who cares? But in housing, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm always fascinated by MLM. I won't say who, but um, I have a couple of close, uh, friends or family that have, that have been in that space. And we've had lots of debates about this. And I might be wrong about some of my opinions on it, but uh, I, I think that there's something about being obsessed with the right product and your, your customer. And when you've got this combination of we're both recruiting and we're trying to help clients, stuff gets kind of muddled up. What do you say to that? I agree with you. I agree with you. But I also felt like for me, I wouldn't really focus on the individual. Yeah. And and, and individual consultants or individual cu individual customer. customer you like that part yeah i did i i just i didn't want to force people to come into the business mm. i just helped them uh but i liked uh the sales part of it in the way of the actual product of mm. of um giving them what they needed for their facial or body yeah. you know to help them become better Okay, so you got it. that's a pretty colorful background so far and so you weren't doing that though when we met was there something else no, I just done, done some odd jobs to kind of just make some money while I was, um, you know, I was home with the boys for a while. Yeah. 
you know, um, after my husband died in 19 or 2019 or 2000, no, 1999. <laughs> I got so many dates with different things in there, but he died August 4th of 1999. And so I was home with the boys at that time. And I continued doing that, working a little bit of uh, beauty control. Um, so my focus at that time was, you know, I had to take care of my boys. They were just four and five. My youngest son just turned four the next day after their, his dad died. And then I had a five-year-old and my focus was to take care of them. Mm-hmm. That was my responsibility. Yeah. And I, 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 I think I actually would like to ask you some stuff about that. Cause no, it's a, that's a big, uh, it's a big burden to, especially they were older when you jumped into real estate. They yes. were how old? Uh, my oldest son was in college for his yeah. first year. And my youngest son was just finishing up his senior year at Des Moines Christian. And so he was playing baseball so the heaviest, uh, during the summertime, summer months too. Yeah. So the, the, the heaviest load of, uh, raising those boys, um, happened when you were, you were, you decided to stay at home more. You were, you were working part-time. Is that correct? Yeah. Which correct. is a terrific, first of all, decision to make, but also an opportunity that you could. Right. Um, so yeah, you, that was quite a journey for you, huh? Correct. And at the same time, um, the, the same day my husband died, August 4th was the same day we were supposed to be building our dream home on my acreage, Mm. which you ended up moving on to, which I actually, uh, I think it was about three months later, I decided to go ahead and just build. And that was a 15 month project and had a little issues with the contractor and you, you did that yourself then? I did it all myself, uh, and it was a challenge. I uh, had some sleepless nights here and there. But the farm girl and you came out, huh? Oh, yes, and they <laughs> knew that I was not going to give in. They knew that they had a challenge on their hands. So this is like in 2000. You That is correct. You, so I moved in in December, middle of December 2000. Okay. With At that point, your kids are, are how old? Um. They're probably six and seven, or uh, five and six, five and yeah. six. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal for them, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We And we were living in an old two-story farmhouse on my acreage. Okay. But we built the house just behind or to the north of the, the house, and then I had the oh. other house torn down. Or I sold it to somebody, and they came and tore it down. And then I had to have that all excavated out, so... It, the lawn was nice and pretty. So we're, we're jumping all over the place, but I think I'm keeping track. So you, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of the sequence here. So you, you uh, well, well, let's jump all the way to, to, to real estate then. So it's 2013, because I want to come back to the boys thing. Okay. Um, but you jump in, you, you were working part-time when you and I met. And what, what made you think about real estate? Like what? What brought that up? Well, my good friend, Teresa, um, her name escapes me, last name escapes me, but uh, she was in beauty control with me part-time, and she had joined uh, Century 21, and oh, she- Oh, Teresa Moon. Moon, yes. Yeah, her last, Yeah, her last name has changed, yeah. So we were friends- I forgot through this. Through beauty control. Okay. And she had asked me a couple of different times, and I kept saying no, no, no. And finally, I think in the third or fourth time, I said, what do I have to lose? And I just felt like there was something there that I should try. Mm. So I took my you know, real estate classes and joined, and 
I did not look at any other company. I came straight mm. to Century 21 because that's where you knew Teresa, Teresa was. Yeah. yeah. And I felt she would not steer me wrong. We and were then friends. she left. And then she left three <laughs> months later. <laughs> well, she was offered a really, really nice position as right. a directing broker for, it was Berkshire Hathaway at Correct. the time, right? And she tried to, tried to recruit me to come on over. And I just didn't feel like that was the path I wanted to take because I felt like I needed to stay at Century 21 and figure out what was here for me. Interesting. Instead of just following her just because we were friends, I just felt like I needed to figure out what Century 21 has to offer me. So you join us because of a person. Correct. The person steps out, but you don't want to, is that, are you just, um, is, that, is it about loyalty? Is that about, you are about consistency and stability? Or like, what do you think was going on in your head that made you stay if you only really came for her three months before? I think it was just consistency. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm loyal, but also too, I felt like I needed to make a decision for me and not her make a decision for me to kind of keep pulling me along Interesting. with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got you got a bunch of regrets about that today, huh? No, I do not. <laughs> well, we're, we're sure been, glad you stayed. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I've enjoyed Century 21. You have been wonderful to me mm-hmm. and just helped me along the way, and I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch that progression. So you get in. Do you remember your first year? Yes, I do. I felt like it was a kind of a roller coaster because sometimes I wondered, why am I here? What am I doing? Because there was a lot, you know, some negatives and then it's like, and then you got some highs and then some negatives. Mm. And for the first year or so, you have that. And, you know, I was felt like I was kind of on my own initially just because Teresa was gone. Mm. Um, and there was some help, but not like the staff you have today, which no, not, I think is wonderful. Not that you like have today. That. All you had back then was me, and that was nowhere near as good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if it wasn't as good, but you, you had, you know, you were spread thin, and there were other people along the way, but they couldn't spend just that much time with me yeah. and other ones too. So, do you remember your training? So, did you do oval table with me? Is that or who who was I, your new agent training? You don't remember that? Um, she's gone. Sarah Harrison? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I mean, it, you, it's hard to imagine how much smaller our crew was right. back then and yeah. how little of the knowledge that today is spread throughout our organization, how much of that was just contained in a few people's heads. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, your experience and today's experience is pretty different. Right, and I think I remember even saying to you at one point, I just need more information uh, because I just felt like I was just kind of floundering at some times and not, I didn't have the knowledge. <coughs> when and you're a I'm seven, a knowledge person. You I are want a it. seven fact finder and a seven follow through. So, so you're 7733. Three. So Correct. what you're all about is you want to build a system and you need information to be able to do it. Correct. And then on the other side, you're more stable and but you're pretty conceptual. So you, you lacked what you needed in information to build a sound fo- foundation for yourself. Correct. And I felt like I needed some help mm. and I was asking for it. Well, and you got it. It's just, it's, you got it in a jump in the pool and right. hey, we got you, but not like, hey, here's a beautiful roadmap to go down kind of way. Correct. And I, I it's funny, Eileen, I, I, I look at that from both angles. On the one hand, I'm thinking back to Farm Girl now. On the one hand, there's something amazing about having as much as we have for everyone right now. On the other hand, there's something about people needing to take the courage to jump in the pool and figure this thing out, you know, because 
when you're across the other side of that mound or that hump, uh, you've earned your stripes, you've figured it out. You've, uh, Jason's words would be, you've done your reps, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, we want to make it as easy as possible to, for people to figure this out. But there's no easy way to do that. No matter how much you give people, you got to jump in the pool. But I think now the knowledge is there, the staff is there to teach, and it's up to the individual on how much they want yeah. to take of that. There's more available. And they can still jump in the pool. It's just they got a lot more people to go to if they mm. have questions or how do I do this, whatever. And I just didn't feel like I had as much of that mm. when I jumped in because I was just like <laughs> trying well, to swim. These guys jumping in today don't don't know how much they've got is is the reality. And we hear yeah, that a lot. And that's true. And that's true. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, we'll keep we'll keep doing it. So five years from now, I have a sneaking suspicion that our, our new agents won't realize how much more they've got. So yep. but that's the job. We have to keep raising the bar, creating more and more value, just like you do. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm still here. Um, so first year, you, you made a, a, a roller coaster motion with your hand. Um, yes. Uh, do you remember what you sold in your first year? Uh, it was probably 2.5 million, maybe. So not a bad first year. No, uh-uh. yeah. no. And where did you go? What did you do? What worked for you in that first year? Uh, I did a lot of open houses. Okay. Uh, in fact, my first sale was probably an open house, uh, widowed lady that stopped by. And so she connected with me just because of our, um, similarities. So a demographic uh, so she, thing. Yeah. So she, she you know, trust in me, yeah. I guess, because of that. Otherwise, a lot of family, or not necessarily family, but friends. I've been involved in a lot of different uh, areas. I have had, like, at least two churches. Uh, my boys went to Des Moines Christian, so I had connections there. Um, just uh, people around my Dallas Center area mm. where I had my acreage. Um, just a lot of different avenues of life that people referred people to me. I think that's uh, where I got a lot of my sales from. So back then we would have been forcing you, just like we've always forced everyone to take, I'm trying to think what it would have been called. Uh, it wasn't 100 Days to Greatness. It would have been peak producers. Correct. And so you took peak producers probably in your first six months, just like yes. we, we do with everyone here. Did it? Uh, did you initiate some of that? Did it resonate? Did you implement some of that in that first year? Talk about that. Because you, um, you do a lot of referral business today, right? And your network was a big part of what you have built this through. Right. I, I just always do referrals. I don't do any Zillow leads or anything like that because mm. my referral bases or yeah. past clients get me to where I'm at today. So you started that with a, a, a broad network. You had a lot of intimate connections. Um, what did you do with those connections to prime the pump? Uh, I sent out, I think it was postcards. I just talked to different people, and I think I did a little social media. Um, Which was a very different beast back then. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. I think just from there, people saw, and I mean, I have an investor guy right now that's has he saw that I was working the business and he started with me, even though he was working with another realtor, he wanted to support me. And so he's come with me. Because he knew you and liked you? He knew me and liked me and trusted me. Did he know that you knew nothing about real estate? Uh, Yes. Yes. He was from my church. Him and his wife were from my church, but he lived just about maybe a mile from my acreage. 
And so he just really trusted me and wanted to give me the business and support me. A lot that's how a lot of people started with me is they they I think trusted me and and um wanted to help me. Why along did they the want path. to support you? Why do you Because they knew I was a single mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I, I, I thought that's what you would say, and I, that's fascinating to me. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing, right? Right. Um, it almost highlights the, uh, the good in people and, right. and humanity. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you had a, I wouldn't call it an advantage by any means, but you, you had right. people in your corner, and right. they wanted to see you succeed. That is correct. That's that cool. Correct. Yeah. We talk a lot about character and competence. Do you remember that? That was Buffini's original looks like a no when you get into the business there's um you need to develop trust from people because no one's going to buy a house with you unless they trust you correct but they need to trust two separate things one is your character which Mm -hmm. is like they need to know you like you believe in you they need to know that you're a good person that's going to have their back and you had that with those people but what you didn't have is the second one. So character and competence, they need to trust your competence. And that's right. about, okay, yeah, well, I like you and you're wonderful, but holy cow, I can't entrust the largest asset of my life to you. You're green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so I think part of the game in the first year is, uh, especially if you're new and you have a, a big database, it's portraying professionalism and competence. So a lot of good market data, a lot of good reports on people's property values, showing success, showing that you've sold a few mm-hmm. is all about showing your competence. Um, and then your story has another little added element that people people wanted to see you make it. Correct. Yeah. And I appreciated that. That's how I, where I'm at today. And they're still part of my database and we're still friends and yeah. I, we still work together. So when you talk about your database, um, are you pretty particular about that systematically? Like if I ask you about your database, how many people are in your quote unquote database? Do you know? No, I do not know. So when you say database, it's not a particular list of people. This is a broad swath of all the people in your network. That's what I would say. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing today with your database to keep I use the, the prime the pump. I always think of Zig Ziglar's old video of priming the pump. But now the water's flowing. What are you doing to keep the water flowing for your database referrals, A pluses? Uh, I do a couple of different things. The one thing is I send out a monthly brochure. Uh, two years ago, almost three years ago, I went to the top agent retreat and there was a booth there and they had different brochures that they'd made up. Uh, that could be sent to my database. So I put my clients on this brochure. So that way I don't have to come up with the content. I don't have to worry about mailing them out. They do everything. Is, and I is, just choose one of the four brochures each month that they send me. Mm-hmm. I choose one of them and then they send them out to my database that I How many put people together. is that going to? Um, I would probably say... 200 some. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is that, is the name of the company something you share or? It's the personal marketing company. Huh. Mm-hmm. And you found this at the top agent retreat. That is correct. Mm-hmm. And you, you think it's been a good, a good investment. Oh, it's been a great investment. Mm-hmm. The personal marketing company. Yes. Wow. Yep. And if you want more information on that, I can show you some brochures too. But. Yeah. And then the second thing I do is, um, well, I call periodically or send note cards. Uh, but I, Primarily just do the annual report of their home. Yep. 
So when they bought it that particular month, I send out um, the marketing uh, materials in the way of this is how, you know, the assessor's page, um, yeah. the realtor's RPR, uh, RPR, yeah. and then also to some just different uh, houses that match, kind of match up to theirs and how, what's been sold. Like what's sold, yeah. And... Pending and do whatever. Do you follow that up with a phone call or anything, or is it just something you? Um, I just it's just something I do, and okay. I put a little bit of a, uh, or I put a um, uh, little gift certificate in there okay. that you can go get um, a free cookie at Eileen's Cookies. There you go. They have a thing called Dylan's Candy. So. Oh, I've not had that yet. Well, it's in California. <laughs> um, uh, okay, what else? Because those are great. It doesn't sound like a ton of work so far. It sounds like I mean I'm not I'm not denying early on was lots of work, but this idea of it's hard work to prime the pump. You got to keep pumping to get the water to flow. But once the water starts to flow, then it's really just about keeping top of mind, providing some level of uh, value, like the the annual reports is mm -hmm. great value for people that they weren't soliciting from you, right. Um, it sounds like to some extent you've got a database of 100 to 200 people and it's not autopilot. You've built some systems to stay in front of them, but it's nowhere near as much work as it was. Is that a fair statement? Yes. And I probably don't do, I mean, I, I stay in touch with my clients through phone calls and, and I, I, I have kind of an antiquated system, I would say, because. Tell us about that. I uh, have folders that I put some clients in, and then I pull that fol those folders out for the month of May. By client, do you, you don't mean buyers and sellers. You mean buyers your and peeps. sellers that I need to follow up with, or maybe they're thinking about a, a move in, or maybe they know of somebody. I will call them that month, and then sometimes they call me back, sometimes they don't. And then, okay, if they don't call me back, then I put them into another month mm -hmm. that I follow up with them later. In three months or six months, I decide on kind of what I feel is reasonable for that. I just client. want to make sure I understand. You're talking about incubation of potential prospects. That is part of it. Yes, yes. But also, too, I call some other clients to just say, hey, how are you doing? I was just thinking about you. Yeah. Look, I, and I'm not trying to correct your language. What you're doing is working for you. Right. You, you sold $13 million of real estate last year, and you've been consistently doing well. For people listening, I, I, it's, it's interesting to me to separate clients versus my peeps. Correct. Right? And you're correct. seeing what I'm saying. Yep. Because clients, and I had a very similar system, Eileen. I used to have these big note cards the size of half, half a piece of paper, and I had daily pile, weekly pile, monthly pile, and long-term pile. Mm -hmm. And all I would do is like reach out to people in the weekly pile once a week. And if they became a hot prospect, I'd put them in the daily pile. <laughs> right. So pretty antiquated. And I think people get real caught up in CRMs and platforms and systems. And if you can find a CRM that duplicates a system that works for you, then use it. Otherwise, antiquated, from my vantage point, is sometimes the best. Right. But so that's incubation to some extent. Keep on the on the peeps side, like non-clients, past clients, people in your network. Other than those two items that you've referenced, is there anything else you're focusing on? Yes, I actually uh, just thought about this. That I also do pop buys. Okay, how um, often? I actually do pop buys to my past and some clients that I'm trying to incubate uh, once a year. Okay. So I take a, my whoever my clients are, say in Grimes, mm -hmm. I put my baskets or my little 
Popeyes together. And then I call my man Friday, Adam, and he goes and delivers them because I've put all the addresses together, kind of hopefully in sequence. So yeah. he drops them off for me because I so don't. So you don't even do the driving. I you... don't even do the driving because that's, you've told me or you've said it many times that if you don't like to do that job, get somebody else to do it. And <laughs> that's what I've done. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. And then Lisa Riley does my marketing on my social media. Um, I've seen that it's pretty consistent. You're, mm -hmm. you're always on it. I see your solds and your pendings and whatever they're showing up. Right. And what's your thought behind that? What are you accomplishing with that? Uh, I think it just shows people that I'm consistently selling and yeah. making things happen and I'm still here. Um, uh, not going away and you're not trying to generate leads. You're not trying to get clicks. You're just showing, you're just top of mind awareness. Correct. I am selling real estate. I'm representing buyers and sellers and I'm doing a good job at it. Correct. And I look good. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I really, that's how I, I was chatting with my kids about social media training in our company in 2009 and Facebook was such a different thing then. And it was, and I remember debating a lot of people about what I thought social media was. And I just remember saying, I don't think it's actually some new lead generation place or some place to sell. I just think it's another format of it's, it's the pub or it's the soccer game. Or it's the it's just a different way to engage and communicate and have conversations with people. And so I like to think of social media less as a, a place to advertise to strangers and more of a place to just get in front of my people and engage in conversations about what's going on. And uh, that's what you're doing. You're just low level creating top of mind awareness by reminding all the people that already know you, like you, and trust you. Right? Correct. Correct. Um, oh, yeah. She's selling real estate. So that when they're in line and they're ready to raise their hand, they you're the first person that pops in their brain. It's The reason I want to say all this is just because I don't think the formula is as complex as people make it seem. The first year or two is hard work, you, mostly just to survive. Correct. And you got to do those open houses and you got to get the leads. But once you get the pump primed, it really is just about picking some uh, systems that you believe in to stay in front of people through social media, but also I love this personal marketing company thing. That's a great idea. Um, and then honestly, if you do a good job by people, it kind of takes care of itself. Would I you agree? Yeah. I agree. I agree. So I don't feel like I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing those consistently, but I don't think it's a lot of work necessarily. And yeah. those uh, brochures with the personal marketing company yeah. are very relevant to today. Like what's on them? Uh, we talks about sometimes about house things, you know, or mm. spring or sometimes uh, depends on what, which brochure because there's four brochures you can that choose you can from. Pick. Some of them have recipes. Uh, some of them deal with, you well, know, Well, you've got to know your audience, right? I mean, right. you say recipes with that like high voice because I think we think that those are maybe silly. But if you, you mentioned that first lady at the open house that was a uh, more mature client or whatever, well, uh, a recipe can be really relevant to the right audience. Right. Yeah. And this, uh, this first client was actually a young lady oh, with sorry. three small children. Sorry, I missed that part. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but otherwise, they, you know, you got the recipes. Otherwise, it talks about your pet. It talks about landscaping. It talks about yeah. traveling. I mean, it just depends on which brochure you choose on which one you feel you want to use for that month. Can I ask you why you prefer that to Buffini's uh, mailings? Items of value is what they call them. Um, they're be do you think they're better? Similar? I, I think they're better. Okay. Yeah, I, I 
to me, it gives them more fun mm. receiving a brochure that has color in it, and you can open it up, and it's it's got some different things in it. Yeah, I don't I don't see Buffini things on a regular basis, so I don't know what they always have. Well, I remember, you know, the blue box is what we used to call right. it. And I think the idea, though, that is worth, whether it's this one or that one, or I think there's another great, the magazine that they put your photo on, Correct. Preferred Client Club, but also the Life, I think it's called Lifestyle Magazine. It costs a little bit more. It's like 50 bucks per person per year. Whatever you pick, I think the lesson I learned early on was I looked at Buffini's mailings in 2006, and I was like, yeah, uh, I can do better. And I try to create my own. Mm -hmm. And I went around to local businesses and tried to create coupons or discounts with local businesses and feature businesses and give my own news. And I did brilliantly for one month. And then I just forgot it. And so I think what I've learned there is pick something you like and you believe in and systematize it. And anything executed well is going to be better than some brilliant idea that doesn't get executed. And so what you've done well here, I think, is just diligent execution of some basics. Would you agree? I agree. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, the personal marketing company, I didn't start till probably, was it November, December of 2019. And what does yeah. that cost, by the way, per block? Um, it's probably just a a little over um, a dollar per mm. client just because, you know, it's the brochure plus the postage. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so what, uh, what do you think you've, you know, I want to back up. I said priming the pumps hard. I said keeping the water flowing is not easy, but easier but you've got to keep people's trust, right? Like they've got to, it doesn't matter what you send them if they don't feel like you've really got their back and you Correct. did a great job for them. What else would you say in the, what is it now, almost 10 years that you've been selling that you've done well or that you feel you've done maybe better than others? I don't know if I'd say better, but what I'd say as well is I take care of my clients mm -hmm. and I build those relationships um, so they know that they can trust me. They lot, some of them call me, you know, a month later, two years later and ask me questions and I'm right on. It's in the way of getting back with them. I don't wait a day or so, if, or I see them calling and I answer the phone say, Hey, how are you? So you what know? I, what I hear is responsiveness. Correct. Is that what you're saying or? Yes. Yes. I, I, I don't care whether they're a client that's 10 years old or just closed yesterday, I always feel make them feel welcome mm. when they're calling me or texting or me, whatever. So I want to make sure that they're feeling like they're important. That doesn't sound like rocket science so far. No. What else though? I don't know what else. I, I, I just make them the communication responsiveness. Um, to me, it's communication is all it. And also, too, a lot of it is just, you know, those those um, real satisfied reports. I want to make sure that they give me good reviews. The surveys, yeah. Surveys, because, uh, you know, some of them don't want to give feedback, you know. But, you know, just seeing them out and about, you know. I receive hugs when I see them out and about. They, oh, hi, Eileen. And they come and give me a hug. 
you know, so that makes me feel like I've helped them along the way because they refer me to their children. They refer me on to somebody else or whatever, you know. I, I'm pushing on the Silene intentionally. I know you are. Well, right. because I think there's something magical in here. It's a little bit like the conversation I had with Jess Gilligan. I, I and if you listen to that one, but yes. Well, I, I think there's you can sometimes the magic is very hard to see and it's not very fancy. And so I but I do think that there is a formula. So not everyone's clients want to hug them afterwards. No, no, I agree with that. Well, and even yours, right? Some of right. your clients you never want to see again. But some people just don't um, have any clients that want to hug them. And what what I want to figure out is what is the formula for building that kind of not just trust because that's more than trust right that's a feeling of i wouldn't say intimacy but it's a feeling of care and connection correct that's been developed through a real estate transaction and that outcome in your case the proverbial hug that outcome is what i believe we should all have as a a target like a like archery right we should be shooting for that and then if you're shooting for that, I think we've got to figure out, well, so what are the ingredients that bakes that pie? <laughs> right. And it's right. probably different for all of us because I'm not a hugger, so I don't even want a hug, right? But, but what is my proverbial hug, right? And uh, I, I just think that it's not fancy, but responsiveness, for example, is a incredibly important ingredient in baking that pie. Mm-hmm. And effective communication is another important ingredient because we can get a great sale, but if we didn't make them feel like when, when they had a question, we were there for them. And when they didn't have a question, we were proactively injecting information in for them. I think on the back end, they might like us, but they probably wouldn't want to hug us. And they would like us and maybe use us again, but they probably wouldn't want to send friends and family. So I'll, I'll ask one more time. Is there any more? I don't think there's a magical answer here. I'm just curious as I say all that. Does anything else come to mind that you think you've done right or well? Oh, well, I think maybe another piece of it is just always making sure that you're giving them information, um, you know, before maybe they even ask for it or yeah. go above and beyond. Anticipating in the way of, is what I think of. Right. Yeah. Uh, going above and beyond uh, in the way of getting information or getting what they need, um, knowing that they can rely on you. Yeah. No, I love it. And so, by, by the, just curious, what percentage of your business would you say is referral today? Um, probably 95. Really? Plus. Are you still doing open houses? I do every once in a while, but otherwise not on a regular basis. So if you get a lead that isn't by referral or your database, where would it be? Um, like sign call and stuff like that. Yeah, it would be sign call or um, open house. Um, some of these mailers um, I have done to just neighborhoods, yeah. Yeah, neighborhoods communities. So I've gotten uh, one seller right now from that, and we're going to be closing okay. in May. Um. So yeah. you have built a business by referral. Correct. It's working for you. It sounds like your cost um, is not super high. One no. pop by a year, some annual reports, which takes some time, and then a personal marketing company, and you're paying a third-party, Lisa, to do some social media coverage for you because I love what you said. Um, if it's not something that you're a brilliant dad or get passionate about, outsource it. Right. The pop-bys are one, one every month. It's just that- oh, really? 
Yeah, it's one every you said, month. You said once a year. <laughs> once a year to those particular clients saying Grimes, but then the, every month they're going out. So then the the next pop by might be Indianola and in Norwalk. The next one might be Dallas Center and Adele. So you're doing them regionally because Correct. the is the information specific to that region in some way or no? It's just those are the I want to touch on those people. It's an efficient delivery mechanism. It's, yeah, right. So Got why it. go to Indianola and then I'm to Grimes and then I'm to Winterset? Uh, it's not a good uh, avenue uh, to go and and make things wise you know we've got some we've got some two or three follow-throughs that are like eight or nine quick starts and they would never think to do it that way they would just shoot stuff out of a cannon wherever the cannons they want to point it you've been very which can work by the way because they they move they go you're very deliberate and systematic in some of the stuff correct um which is great both work um i remember at one point you did Maybe you never completed it. You did like a mature seller uh, designation or something like that. It's a senior real estate specialist. Yeah. I, did, I didn't complete it. You, yep. You yep. have a, 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 a certification. It's, it's SRE, senior real estate specialist. Tell, tell me about that. And has that been a good thing? Um, um, yeah. In fact, I um, visited a community just the other day and I mentioned to that particular marketing gal uh, in this 55 plus community that, uh, that's what I have. Mm. And, uh, cause she had sent out some marketing brochures to lots of realtors. And I was the only realtor that called her back. She sent out marketing. Yeah. Marketing material because, uh, she wanted to reach out to a lot of agents to help <laughs> bring, you know, she's a FISBA. No, no, no. This this is a, a fifty five plus community. Oh, uh, she manages the community she, in some way. She, yeah, okay. and, and so she was reaching out to realtors because she wanted realtors to bring in Got their it. clients when they decide to sell their home. Yeah. This is a community that people can live in and can rent. So this is back to responsiveness, huh? Correct. And so I was the only realtor. She said that uh, called her back out of probably at least seventy. She said, "It's just not that hard, is it?" Right. So uh, I went and visited her the other day and I, you know, just told her that I have a senior real estate specialist designation mm. because to me that plays into this particular yeah. field of 55 plus. Yeah. So uh, you've spent some money, you had several weeks of uh, CE basically, and you earned a designation. Do you actually, have any other? Actually, the designation was just a very limited time frame. Oh, you can't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, t I'm meaning t uh, limited time frame in the way of it didn't take Got me it. weeks. It took me maybe a, a couple hours in a day. So it was less about what you learned, maybe, and more about a great marketing uh, investment. Correct. Yeah. yeah. We we don't focus on designations near enough here. I, and maybe it's because the culture has changed. So perhaps we're less trusting today than we used to be. In the 80s, if you had a bunch of letters off to your name, it meant you knew things. Uh, today, maybe we're more skeptical, but I remember in the early 2000s, it was a big deal to get your CRS or your GRI or your whatever. And maybe as a company, we don't focus on that enough. So from your vantage point, that was a good investment? That was a good investment, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any others that you've done? Yeah, GRI, CRS. You've done them? Yeah. Look at in you. In fact, in the very beginning when I first started real estate, that was something I decided to get because I wanted the knowledge I wanted to educate myself and I thought, okay, I'm going to educate myself as well as get the designations. Now, so the first couple of years, that's what I did. GRI is a, a slightly bigger deal, right? To Correct. take that course. How long did that take and what was that investment? 
Oh, it's your, let, let me go back quite a few years to uh, get that. You can, you can make it up. <laughs> Just guesstimate. Uh, probably a couple of months because I think part, I think the GRI, you have to do your CRS and then you have to add things to that if I'm not mistaken from okay. that. So it probably take me a couple of months or so to do that. Maybe it was in six months. So would you recommend that to some of our newer agents today? Would you say that it was a, a valuable investment? Yes. Uh, I don't even know if I'd just focus on GRI, but I'd focus on just different designations to go out there, learn, and get some of those designations, not just to have behind your name, but just for the fact of just learning. learning. Um, because you learn differently in those classes sometimes, but you also are learning here at Century 21 too. You're a learner? I mean, is this kind of how you roll? or Because uh, I didn't push you to do that. You went no, out and I, decided I to do that. I did it. Yep, I did it. And I spent money to do it because I had to go to DMAR to do it. Yeah. Because we were not doing those classes here. Um, so I guess I'm a learner. I like to have the knowledge there, the awareness, so I can make good decisions. Well, it's your fact finder maybe. Yes. Um, no, I'm glad. I'm glad that came up. I I really think that is something we should encourage more inside of our walls. I know we're doing a better job of guiding people towards good coaches these days. Mm -hmm. So Tom Ferry and Buffini and others. Um, but I do think that there's other spaces to learn. And I think the more you, you know, I think what I figured out is even if you go to a learning space, and you you know a lot of what they're saying, there's always nuggets. Right. And sometimes even the learning isn't about new information. It's reinforcement or so reinforcement of stuff you already know. But sometimes it's always even just offering clarity, like reminding you of some things that you knew are, are right and used to focus on, but really need to any back up on. So I, I think a continual learning mindset is super valuable. And also, too, when you're at those classes, you're also connecting with other yeah. agents from other organizations, other real estate agents. Mm. So I think that's important, too, making those connections. I didn't ask you this earlier. Would you would you uh, identify your archetype? Like, do you, do you know if you're a marketer or a networker or a converter? or? A I, I think I'm more of a networker. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Even though I went to college and got my marketing degree after my lab tech degree, um, I don't like to focus on marketing like social media. No, uh, my, you, well, you've my, outsourced my, it. My, my, yeah, uh, I focus on marketing as a salesperson, if you can say that in the way of marketing, uh, or go out there and connect with people, mar networking. The marketing to me sometimes has lots of different avenues you can go, and I go into the networking sales area um i like where you're going with that uh, uh say that again a slightly different way what do you mean by that um i i think my passion is to connect with people mm -hmm. that's where i'm driven is to connect with people and have the networking i don't care to do the marketing in um, your mind connecting with people is marketing it's part of the marketing to make sales happen so marketing, in your definition, is above the sales. Marketing is what we do to generate leads. Correct. And then we have our... Um, I, I, I have a marketing degree as well. Oh, okay. Marketing and business management. And I, <laughs> I don't know how much I learned. I mean, some of it was just 
I don't know, maybe I was focused on swimming or sucking on too much chlorine or something. But the one thing that I absolutely remember from my marketing degree <clears throat> was the distinction between sales and marketing. And sales is you have a product and you need to, and advertising, advertising, sales, and marketing. Sales and advertising is where we have a product and we need to figure out how to get someone to buy it. Correct. So we advertise it or we go directly to people and convince them to buy it. Marketing, on the other hand, is where you don't have a product. You have a you have a, uh, uh, an audience with a need or a want. There's a problem. And you do the research. Marketing is research to figure out what they need. Marketing is then developing a solution for what they need. Marketing is building the product that solves that problem for them and then delivering that, that to them. And I like to think of marketing less about like I'm trying to peddle a product and more about trying to figure out where people have a need. And so we market to buyers and sellers and we market to agents, but we're not trying to give them what we've got. We're trying to figure out what they need. Correct. And if we can do that, we're, we're winning. So I, I think I, I, I mean, I like what you're saying um, because marketing isn't just ads and marketing isn't putting pretty things on social media or bus benches, right? Marketing is connecting with your audience and figuring out where they're at so that you can deliver something that makes their life better. How, how does that resonate? Yeah, I agree with you. I just look at marketing uh, as sometimes the just the ads yeah. that you put out there. You don't want to think and of it as that. And that's not me. Yeah. The me is connecting with that person, yeah. even though that's part of the process. It's just connecting with that person to find out what they need or how I can help them to get to the next part of maybe making the sale. Yep. Nope. I love it. Um, well, we've covered a lot of ground here. Uh, I'm trying to decide if, if we should go back uh, to, to y your journey then in, in raising those two young boys and uh, uh, maybe there's nothing more to say there other than, an observation, which is uh, farm girl, tough, tough situation, found a way to kind of power through that, right? And so you came out the other side, kind of a tough cookie. Well, I had to be. Yeah. I had to be. Yeah. Uh, because that was the only way I can make it in life in the yeah. way of just, you know, because I had to be strong for my boys. It's one of those no choice situations. Correct. Well, I had a choice, but uh, that I didn't want to go down the negative path. I yeah. wanted to be, you know, there for my boys. So I, I got up every day and took my boys to school and did mm. whatever I needed to. I could have probably stayed in bed and cried <laughs> for many hours, but decided that wasn't the, what I wanted well, to do. Well, I'm sure so. there was some of that too, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. But I mean, just remember that, you know, with my boys, I mean, I raised them and I was very instrumental in their school. Oh, we had a lot of uh, parties at my acreage. They always called it the Schmidt. The Schmidt Acreage? Uh, the Schmidt, Schmidt House, yes, because that's where we had football parties, baseball parties, uh, class parties, um, uh, youth parties from church, um, hay rack rides, bonfires, because um, I had a big shed out there, too, where everybody could gather. Now, you just sold that recently, like two, I three sold years ago. It, yep, I did. And I'm How was glad that? I, I, it, it was time to do that because I... Didn't want to do the well, mow like mowing, chopping down trees and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yes, I had a gentleman that was 
teaching me how to chop down Whatever. trees. Whatever, Eileen yes. the lumberjack. I can just <laughs> picture you with the flannel jacket. <clears throat> so you sold that and you moved into? A standalone townhome yeah. in Clive. So that's a little freeing and new chapter. It is, it is, because in that way I don't have to worry about mowing the lawn. My lawn looks nice uh, because somebody else has cut it. I just take care of my flowers or my, some of my landscaping. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have to shovel snow unless it's under two inches. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's very nice and freeing. It gives me the time to do more real estate or just have more time for me. And that's what I want to do as I get older. I don't want to do all that extra work. I'll give you one more observation about that uh, phase of your life. I, I remember, I think it was some of our events your boys came to uh, as your, your plus one or whatever. The sense I got about your boys is that they... They they've got your back. They do. Yeah, they very much do. Couple couple of young guys that uh, they would would jump in front of the train if the train was coming at mom, huh? Yep. No. No. <laughs> they're they're very good boys. Uh, they support me. Uh, they want to make sure I'm doing okay. And um, so yeah, no, they're they're very good boys. Very. No, it's a very good. <clears throat> I like seeing that sort of uh, closeness mm-hmm. in families. It's fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's close out with just some of these thoughts real quick. What are you experiencing right now in the market? I'm just kind of curious about your, obviously we know what's going on out there. We know the inventory, we know the interest rates. How is it affecting you and your clients right now? What are you feeling, experiencing? Uh, what I am experiencing is is actually right now I'm getting a few listings coming on board, but one just contacted me last week because uh, they're moving to Cedar Rapids. The other ones, they're, they're trying to get their property, mm. you know, cleaned up, uh, taken care of, whatever. Uh, so we can put it on the market, and it just happens that a lot of homes I'm going to be listing here soon. Uh, music to my ears. Yes, I mine mean, too. A listing at this point is, is a gold bar. Right. But I'm kind of just watching it to see how um, sales are going to go because I just don't want to, I want to make sure that I'm not going to be listing something too high and people are not able to, because of the high interest rates, they're not, they're not able to go out there and buy something. It's a tricky and treacherous time to list just because you don't know if you, we've been experiencing so much growth, like you don't want to overprice at this point if things are slowing down, right? Correct. Yeah. It's tricky. I called it, uh, I'm going to do a podcast on this, but we've called it uh, backstage pricing in the quantum realm. Uh, does that make any sense to you? Yes. Like Newtonian physics was one set of laws and then we started doing quantum physics and realized, hold on, none of those laws apply. And so it's like all the rules about pricing have gone out the window and mm-hmm. it's a whole different game right now. Exactly. So you kind of have to watch it and you know talk to your clients about it. And yeah. So I have listings? One, yeah, I have one client right now that we're going to close on Monday and they weren't quite sure they wanted to continue in the process because we've had some complications. But then um, this lady's daughter checked things out and uh, talked to the listing agents about seeking another home. And it was basically the same one as they're buying right now, but it was about $25,000 more, mm. but same square footage and whatever. And, they just, and I told them, I said, if you call it quits, you're going to be buying something a lot more expensive and maybe have some, mm. some, some same issues. So, I mean, it kind of put some information into their minds, too, in the way, of, well, well, let's continue on. 
So, mm. yeah. But your year started off okay. I, I think I saw you're up quite notably from last year. Yes. Yes. I'm happy about that. Uh, I'm not, not everyone's experiencing that. I've, I've noticed looking through the numbers, uh, some people have had a tighter beginning to the year because they've got a lot of buyers that just can't find what they're looking for. So I, I do think the name of the game right now is to go focus, if you can, excuse me, on listings. Because mm -hmm. every listing you get right now is a guaranteed sale. Every buyer you find right now is a whole bunch of hoping. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, it'll come, it'll come together because the listings will show up. So don't avoid the buyers. But um, a, listing is, a listing is a bird in the hand. Exactly. That's what I'm happy about right now. So, yeah. And what's next for you? Um, I know we've talked briefly about team. I know that's something that's in your mind a little bit is uh, passing on some of what you've figured out to a couple of newer or younger agents that um, you can benefit from and they can benefit. Anything else up in the air that you're focusing on to take this to the next chapter? No, I just, uh, I would like to have a team. I just want to make sure whoever comes on my team is a good fit for them and me, mm -hmm. and and they stick with me versus just coming for a couple of years and then flying off to someplace else, you know? Because I want to make this more of a long term environment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, I believe you're actually actively interviewing some newer agents and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how it all goes. Well, there's no rush. I think that's what we talk uh, exactly, about. You're exactly. Not, you're not like trying to build a team for the sake of building a team. Right. You're looking for a good pairing that you can partner with long term. Right. Yeah. Well, that's fun. I, I look forward to that next chapter as well. You have any questions for me? Anything I can be doing to help you with your business today? I don't believe so. <laughs> you didn't give me any time to think of any questions. Well, <laughs> I just threw that in as a joke. I, I, I get teased about this. I'll show up at offices and on my way out the door, I'll walk from door to door and say, you know this, you're nodding. Um, anything I can do to help you? Anything I can do to help you? And so some agents tease me and say, well, what if the answer was yes? And I was like, well, if the answer was yes, I would stop what I'm doing and see what I could do to help. And most of the time, most of the time, I, I'm just going after it and doing it. I remember you saying, down. yeah, I know. I remember you saying many times, yeah, you just, you got your head down and you're just working. Well, that's, I've always just done that. You know, there's work to be done one way or the other. I think that is your, I don't know, your little MO. Uh, you, you need information. You're all about building systems. But I think that what you represent is once you've figured out the information and you've, there's nothing super crazy that you're doing, but you're doing it with a high level of consistency and diligence. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, that's two thirds of the battle is pick a path and do it well and do it consistently and pick up the freaking phone when people call you. And, and if you can't, then resp you know, get back to them as soon as you can. And I think that goes a long way. It, it reminds me of the four referability habits, which I still to this day think is one of the most profound things ever. Do what you say, finish what you start, show up on time and say, please. And thank you. Correct. And if you do those four things, well, it's a better put. If you don't do those four things, people won't refer to you. That's exactly right. Um, and sometimes it's just that simple. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's what you're doing well. Well, thank you. Yeah. Fist bump. Boom. Careful that ring. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's why my wedding ring and I don't like to, I like to wear it. So, well, and hit me with it. So that's not the well, first time you've given me a fist bump with that ring. Well, when you, when we do fist bumps, I always like to do it with my right hand versus my left. No, it's just awkward it's, to do my left. It's not on you. It's my fault. Okay, I, okay. I'll, I'll stop doing that. But uh, <laughs> hey, thank you so much. I, I think you've actually shared a lot in here and there's some really, really fun practical things here. I love the conversation on designations, on what you're doing with your people um, and so, yeah, I, I, and also this multi-level marketing conversation, I actually think that's something I'd like to dig into more, not to be negative to MLMs, but just thinking philosophically about sales right. and why we believe so firmly what we believe and why I keep like pounding the table on this. Uh, you have to be obsessed with your clients and their outcomes. And when we pollute the water with both being obsessed with buyers and sellers and also, trying to figure out how to build a downstream or whatever it is. I, I just think that there's uh, some pitfalls in there. So, right. But that's help has, ha that has helped me hundred percent to do real estate. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see it in your story, right? You can, you can kind of watch the progression mm -hmm. and any sales experience, even retail sales experience, just because at the end of the day, it's about people. Right. And people are freaking crazy, but they're also amazing and beautiful and wonderful, but they're complex and weird. And um, I use I use the phrase weirdly wonderful. And so half of this battle is just coming to terms with the fact that you're in the people business. People are people is the mm -hmm. best way to put it. Right. And if you can figure out how to work with, through and around and, and, and somehow still like care about people, uh, it just so happens that we, we do that with houses. Correct. So, yeah. Well, this has been fun. Uh, it is Friday. Yes, it what's what's the rest of your day, real quick? Uh, just following up with some clients and uh, sit down with some sellers at two o'clock today at their house to sign documents to list because there he, it is. one of them doesn't have email. <laughs> <laughs> so at least they're not too far away that I can go over there. They're actually from my church, so. They that already sounds, bought, they just need to sell now. So That sounds yeah. like a blast from the past. Every one of my listings were like that because we <laughs> didn't have dot loop. So welcome to 2004. Um, okay, well, thanks. Have a good day. Appreciate yep. your time. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com. 